From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today is how companies are balancing the new work-from-anywhere trend in an approaching post-pandemic world. IT departments are rapidly configuring and deploying devices, infrastructure, and software to support this shift in a secure and productive way. At the same time, employees have reset their priorities, values, and what they demand from employers, potential or otherwise. Two words for you. Culture matters. My guests are Jen Felch and Jen Saavedra. Jen Felch is the Chief Digital Officer and Chief Information Officer at Dell Technologies. And Jen Saavedra is Dell Technologies' Chief Human Resources Officer. This episode of Business Lab is produced in association with Dell Technologies. Welcome, Jen and Jen. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, Jen Felch, could you talk about what it means to lead technology in the Dell digital way? Is that borrowed from the Toyota way? Oh, I hadn't thought about that connection before, but I love it. We think about the Toyota production system and being all about lean processes. Uh, that is very much what the Dell Digital Way is all about. It is about looking at how we build human-centered solutions, either for our customers or our employees, that allow us to be efficient uh, internally, but create really compelling uh, experiences. So uh, I hadn't drawn that connection uh, with Toyota before, but I I think there is a nice connection in what both processes aspire to, which is building great solutions, building great products for our customers. And Jen Saavedra, could you talk about Dell's people strategy and culture code? Sure, I'd be happy to. And you know, one of the things I think you'll see at Dell Technologies is those themes that Jen Felch just talked about carry through in terms of being people-centered or human-centered, creating compelling experiences. And that's the same when it comes to our people philosophy and our culture code. But our people philosophy is ultimately about how do you inspire people to be their best and do their best work. And within that, we have four core focus areas. And it's pretty simple. It's A, B, C, and D. And the A is all about achievement. We want to enable people to achieve their career goals, to be successful, and continue to grow and learn and perform. The B stands for balance. And especially in the last 18 months, I think that's a topic that's been getting a lot of interest, but it's really about having a full and fulfilling personal and professional life. The C stands for connection. Uh, That doesn't just mean technology connection, but it also means relationship, connection to each other, connection to the culture, um, all of those things. And the D stands for diversity and inclusion and how important that is to be successful as a company. So that's our our people philosophy. And those are the commitments and the focus areas and the investment areas that we make to provide that wonderful, uh, fulfilling environment where everybody can thrive. And then the culture code is really around the expectations for how we work and lead across the company with each other, with our partners, with our communities. And so nobody has to come into Dell Technologies and wonder, you know, how do I navigate this culture? What does success look like? Um, This is something we all share to make sure we have that culture to enable uh, our people and our strategy. And continuing on to that 
point, Jen, what does the future of work and employee experience look like? Yeah, I think that's probably the number one question right now for team members and uh, employees, for companies, for candidates, for people graduating from college, all really thinking about what that means. And and I think that's because over the last 18 months, people's lives and routines were just disrupted. We've challenged all these kind of long-held assumptions about the world of work, where we work, how we spend our time, all of those kind of things. And we've just redefined all those expectations. And you know, I just even look back, you know, in our personal lives. Now things come to us versus the other way around, right? We used to go to see the doctor and spend forever in the parking lot and then in the waiting room. And now you have, you know, telemedicine and things like that. Movies, you know, I never thought that I would be watching so much, you know, streaming um, the consumer experience. I never thought I'd go to the grocery store and have my groceries brought to my car, right? And so I think a lot of these expectations are really changing or challenging assumptions. Um, and it's really important that we move forward into the future, not look backwards. I think early on, I heard people say, I just can't wait to get back to doing things the way they were. And that's not ever a strategy for success. It's, you know, we're saying it's really about reflect, reflect on those last 18 months. What if we learned? What were some of the great things we want to carry forward? What were some of those challenges or obstacles? How do we renew expectations? Let's not make assumptions about what a one-on-one would look like or a team meeting would look like. And let's continue to reimagine the future. I think there's more we don't know than what we do know. I think it's important that one approach is not going to work for everybody. People are different. They're Their needs are different, their styles are different, their work requirements are different. And I think companies have to recognize that the future is employee driven. Uh, We have the job market super hot. And so if we're not really thinking about how to create that that flexible environment and really understand the, the needs of the role and the individual and bringing those two together, I think those companies will find themselves honestly somewhat behind. You know, you gave some great examples of things that maybe were a little more nascent uh, before the pandemic. And they are, I think, some of the positive outcomes, like the fact that telemedicine that we've had for a while, but boy, I mean, it really took off out of necessity. It forced us to change our behaviors and it is a much better uh, experience. I mean, I think for us and for uh, those in the medical profession, same thing for shopping. I mean, I think that it forced a lot of technology investments, but for us to change our behaviors. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at. What is it that people really want to do now that we know what's possible? Yeah, I think that's right, Jen. And I think there's also times where you do really benefit from that in-person experience and that connection and that interaction. So it's really not an either or world in the future. It's an and both world, right? And how do you make sure that based on what the needs are, what that activity is, what you're trying to accomplish, what outcomes you're trying to achieve, making sure that you have flexibility and choice in navigating to that best outcome. Speaking of that work from anywhere shift, uh, clearly, um, when we talk about in the frame of being agile and lean and be able to approach a problem and solve it in the quickest way possible, The pandemic and the whole work from anywhere shift really has placed that strain on the IT departments to rapidly support 
the entire shift, the entire company going remote all at once, but also in a secure and productive way. So with more than 165,000 employees worldwide, what is the blended, hybrid, work-from-anywhere approach for Dell Technologies? And then what are some of those lessons that you've learned along the way? Well, let me tell you, uh, you know, we weren't, um, it wasn't in our roadmap to say, like, let's go enable everybody to work from home. But like every other IT organization, uh, you know, we really rallied and and made that happen. And And some of the lessons learned, I would say, is, you know, a lot of times IT organizations, we can defer the things that we should do. And this is probably a good takeaway that says, like, you kind of always need to be current. You need to you need to keep up so that you are ready for anything. And we saw that companies that were prepared uh, with remote access, with having more modern equipment, et cetera, they were more prepared for the rapid uh, work from home. But some of the lessons that we've learned, you know, really come back down to saying like the environment in the office is far more controlled. We know like what people are, uh, what equipment they have, but also what kind of network they have. When people move to work from home, uh, we have to really think about uh, what that home environment looks like, whether it's, I mean, a network connection, whether it is a group of uh, younger employees who may be all sharing an apartment, people who may not have a dedicated internet connection at home because they just use their mobile phone. And having a global perspective has been an incredible lesson learned. We can get kind of caught up into our local perspective. Like we, you know, I work from, you work from a spare bedroom or you work from your dining room. Not everybody has a spare bedroom or a dining room. The approach of really looking at what is our, what are our employees? What does their environment look like? What do they have going on around them? And how do we enable them to be very successful in their jobs was a really great takeaway from us for us uh, to kind of break down that barrier where we thought, hey, everybody's coming into the office. Here's what you have in the office. Everybody's at home. Everybody's got a little different environment. We have to figure out how to make them successful in their jobs. And we also learned a few things. I mean, uh, Jen gave some great examples that all of us as consumers can see, whether it's, you know, the telemedicine and movies and uh, shopping. But we had very physically based processes ourselves within IT. We um, we have a big Black Friday event that occurs. Uh, you know, it used to be a U.S. Uh, event, but now it's a global event. And what we had done prior to the pandemic is we would gather people into what we referred to as a kind of war room uh, during the event. And that way we knew that people were fully engaged. They were all in these rooms around the globe and we monitored and react to what things, what was happening on the website, what was happening uh, through those promotions. When that became impossible to do, we weren't going to put people in a room during the pandemic. We became very creative and said, okay, well, we're going to figure out how to do it uh, electronically. We're going to figure out how to do it so that people can still be um, at home and safe, but yet we can have a really great response for our Black Friday uh, promotions. And it's actually phenomenal. I mean, we were able to have the dashboards that we would normally see in our operations center. We have them on individual screens. 
Um, we had appropriate alerts. I mean, all things that if we stepped back, we probably could have done, but we had a lot more barriers to say, Nana, you know, we've always do this. We always get together and it always works. Let's not change that. Let's not break it because it's working. And so today, you know, we're coming up uh, another Black Friday event and we're going to continue to do it. Uh, I, I don't know we would say this this way, but we're going to do it the pandemic way. We're going to do it where people can remain uh, at home. They can have dinner with their families. They can get alerts on their phones. They can watch the dashboards. They can react to customer uh, responses and be very effective. And I think that's such a nice example of saying, oh, you know, we kind of got forced into looking at our own behaviors to say, well, how can technology enable us to achieve the same outcomes or better? And we kind of get over our own kind of mental barriers of, do we need to be in the same place? I have another example that I think, uh, you know, that I think is so powerful um, about the lessons learned. And, you know, someone once said, as leaders, we have uh, just two jobs. And those two jobs are to have uh, the right people on our team and to make sure they have context. And if you have those two things, then your job is to kind of get out of the way. And during uh, earlier this year, when the second wave was hitting India, our teams felt, I mean, they really felt like, how do we help our colleagues? How do we help our friends? How do we help our families when we're searching for oxygen concentrators? We're searching for beds. Everything wasn't digitized. Like, so how can we rally? And literally in a matter of weeks, teams brought together, um, they, they created solutions to help each other and help our communities in ways that we never would have imagined. Uh, they used a lot of new and emerging technology that they'd kind of wanted to try or had tried on a project. And I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier uh, to see how teams can rally together when they know kind of what are the boundaries. Jen talked about the culture code it is really important to say, you know, it's part of our culture to help each other. It's part of our culture to, to bring technology to uh, progress humans, right? Human progress, but also to like help each other. And I think it's been phenomenal how people have been able to rally. I don't know if we would have been able to do that as successfully if we thought we all needed to get together in a room to talk about it first, because We'd have to schedule things and do all that stuff. And in this case, we just said, get together. We got tools for us to collaborate. Let's let's get going. That's a really good point because it really leans into that reimagine aspect, um, Jen, that you were talking about and how it really is a collaboration between the people and the technology to be able to do this. So, Jen, it, from your perspective, I mean, you can't really do a shift from work from home without HR involved as well. Um, so how, what did you learn from this? Well, we've just learned a ton, you know, um, one example is, you know, every year we would get, and probably like many companies, we would get all of our uh, sales managers together in person, right? We've always done it. We call it FRS, our field readiness seminar. We bring them together often in Las Vegas. And it was a way to align everybody on the strategy, the product roadmap, uh, make sure everybody felt connected and fired up for the year. And it was a, it was a big event. Um, but we have a sales force that's, you know, more than 25,000 people. And we were only bringing the sales managers together. 
what we learned going through the pandemic is how can we create the same outcome, but in a digital way? And so much good came out of this. So first of all, when we moved to this digital format, we were able to include the entire sales organization instead of just the leaders. And not only that, but what about all the support functions? So if you're in human resources, right, and you're supporting the sales team, or if you're in finance, or if you're in marketing, now everybody could align around the same content. And we were able to create, I think the key is, it wasn't trying to recreate the exact same experience and throw it all on digital, because that's pretty horrible, right? I think we've all been in one of those meetings that like a, a training class or something. It's like, okay, well, they just tried to take the exact same three or four hours and put it digitally. And it's a really unpleasant experience. You're like I need a break, right? Or I need something to engage or, or something, but it was really, it caused a rethinking of how do we create the outcomes we want around connection, alignment, inspiration, um, understanding and awareness of our strategy. And so I think that's a really great example. We got great feedback, but, but, you know, you really, your question is, what is the role of HR as you think about enabling people to, to work from home? And it, it is a collaboration between IT and HR and many, many other groups and really relying on our leaders as well to create that right environment. We don't ever want to create a have and have not situation. One of the great things we learned again through the pandemic is everybody had, I've used, I've heard people use the term equal glass, right? So when we're on Zoom, then everybody has the same square, size square, right, on a call. And there isn't somebody who dominates, you know, that that conversation in that way. I think we've all been, you know, in days of old, right, where you have five people in a conference room huddled over the speakerphone and four people dialing in and you can't get a word in edgewise and, you, and then papers are shuffling. And you're like, I just missed something critical. What was it? We just weren't great about being inclusive. And so, Thinking about it, what are all those great things that we gained in this when everybody was remote, right? Everybody had kind of equal voice, equal opportunity to weigh in. You could, if you didn't feel comfortable speaking up, you could type and your voice was equally heard in that way. And so HR is really thinking through a few things of one, how do we maintain all the greatness that we learned in terms of equity, inclusion, belonging, many modalities for people to contribute, recognizing that. And how do we help our managers with that capability? We can't assume that they understand how to lead in this increasingly hybrid world. So how can we help them understand how to create great experiences in this new world? Um, how do we help them run really great meetings? And what does that look like? Um, all sorts of things like that, mental health, really helping our team members with mental health. We know that, uh, you know, sometimes those those lines between work and, and personal obligations can become blurred and we want to help people with that. And so a lot of it has to do, the HR side is helping our managers with the right capability, providing the right tools for our team members and um, really maintaining all the advantages we got in that pandemic experience. And speaking of, of tools, you know, a big part of that and a manager's concern is training and ha making sure everyone is not just skilled in what they need to know, but what they may need to know tomorrow as well. So the industry has been facing a major skills gap for some time for technical positions across the board. And the data paradox study that Dell commissioned with Forrester found that the pandemic caused 
additional skills drained because employees were then placed on furlough in some examples. So, Jen uh, Felch, what are some of those biggest skills gaps that you're seeing now because of the pandemic and how are businesses trying to address them? Yeah, you know, uh, I think we had a, a skill gap across the industry as we were heading into the pandemic, and it has kind of only gotten worse for uh, a couple couple of reasons, either the pandemic itself or the acceleration of the transformations going on around the globe. So, you know, when we look at it, it's not only the skill gaps that you see um, in the study, but our companies doing enough to close those gaps. And um, I think if I recall correctly, six out of 10 call out insufficient in-house data science skills as a as a barrier to capturing, analyzing, and acting on data. So, you know, a lot of us feel like we have a lot of data, but what is it, what is it telling us that is super uh, important so that we can all evolve our businesses. But the study says 67% of companies admit that they're not setting data-driven personal development targets and only 13% incentivize employees to innovate with data and analytics. Those two data points tell us that as companies, we have an opportunity to signal to our employees what's really important about building their building their skills and being able to, you know, innovate and uh, explore uh, the data that they have at their fingertips. And another 57% state that they're held back by insufficient technical skills, like how do I manage a data lake or the development uh, work that needs to take place. And only 19% of those companies are actively recruiting digital scientists or software developers. So you look at it and you think, well, you either need to recruit them or you need to train them if you need them. Um, and so there's quite a few skill gaps, either in the technical areas. We talk about machine learning and uh, DevOps, uh, adapting to the cloud, cybersecurity, and combined with that are what we think of as sort of the human and professional skills, the ability to have empathy and resilience and uh, learning on the fly, learning quickly. You know, if we look back, that's sort of been the state of the union and can often be what's so exhausting is that we have been learning and learning and learning on many fronts, uh, both, you know, as humans learning how to adapt and in our roles, learning about, boy, we need some new skills. Like we need new skills on how we're engaging with our teams, how we're leading as we go forward. And then of course, these new uh, technical skills that are really, I mean, I feel like there's kind of no end to the demand for the technical skills. We all want to understand what the data is telling us and what we can do about it. Yeah, I think, you know, if I could just add to that, I think one of the really kind of cool things is it's not just us who recognize that we need to continue to reskill, think about the skills that are most relevant today and in the future. We have this employee opinion survey that we run every year in our company, like many do, and we run it in 29 languages, right? And one of the questions we asked our team members is, what is the number one attribute you would look for when bringing people into the company? So over 120,000 people get this 29 languages completely open-ended, right? And we just ask them, what would you say? 
And as we put together this word cloud, loud and clear, the number one thing that everybody said, this is the number one attribute they look for is a willingness to learn. So it just tells you that team members, employees, people understand that we are in a very fast changing dynamic time and that what you know today is great, but we need to continue to learn and stay agile and stay on top of these things because the world moves quickly. Isn't that the truth? So Jen, to continue on that, what kind of programs or advice do you have to training remote, you know, employees remotely? And then how can existing employees be really reskilled for those new roles and those new technologies? Yeah. So I think there's a, a couple of things, you know, I, I kind of hit on this before and and for anybody who just really, really loves those virtual happy hours, I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, but I think it's really important that as you think about how to engage and train people in a kind of digital or remote environment, that you don't just try and replicate what you did in an in-person or classroom experience. You have to really think differently. So I think that's really important to, to consider. And we shifted, you know, it might sound like a small shift in language, but there's real impact and meaning behind it. Instead of having a leadership program, we're now calling them, or a training program, it's a training experience or a leadership experience. And that, that change in language is actually reflective of the change in design. So if it's something that you could just quickly pull up and, and watch a YouTube or, or consume on your own time in the flow of work, that's not the best use of people's time to bring them together in a classroom and walk through that. If you want to learn how to do an Excel pivot table, it's probably a lot quicker for you just to pull something up and, and get instructed on how to do that. And so when we do bring people together, it's really about discussion and interaction, building that sense of culture and camaraderie and making a stronger team and learning from each other. So designing those experiences to really drive that is much more effective than doing kind of an old style lecture too. And that, that's one of the things that, that we've really found I think is, is key and, and really important in training in a remote environment. We do have what we call the, the Dell Learning Studio, where we have all the world-class content and go out there, you can consume on your own. But we balance that out with these great experiences where you really can network and collaborate and learn from each other. So that's that's how we kind of train remotely in terms of what Jen was saying is we know that there are these very specific technical skills that people need to, to know. And so for our 15,000 plus engineers, each one of them has an individual learning plan. And then we map that against these uh, kind of emerging functional technical capabilities, whether it's like Kubernetes or, you know, continuous integration, continuous development and things like that. And I know, Jen, you did a ton in Dell Digital around that as well, right? Yeah, we did. And I, um, I really appreciate you kind of at, outlining the fact that people like to learn in different ways. So, uh, the fact that we um, have a lot of training available that people can do on their own, on their own schedule, and then have really um, put together some more formal programs if people want to reskill and become a, let's say, full stack developer, or they would actually like to become a designer, then we have put together programs to help them to make those transitions. And, you know, most of the time when you're hiring people that want to learn, then what you have to do is get kind of give them uh, the food, give them the opportunities 
to learn and they pick up on them and run with it. And it's, it's really, I think it's an awesome way to talk about the culture that we're building at Dell Technologies, which is, you know, you, you come into the company with a given set of skills and a willingness to learn. And then, boy, there's incredible opportunities and you get to learn new skills. You're actually working at an incredible scale. It could be that you're, you know, working in a given function, could be technology, it could be HR, it could be supply chain. There are so many things going on that you can continue to, um, you just continue to grow. And I think that has been really uh, great to see how we've evolved that while people are remote. So not only do we have the online uh, training, but we have very specific programs where people may, you know, it might be uh, two hours a day for three weeks to work on uh, how we're influencing people, or it might be uh, a similar pattern. It might just be a few hours a week over a year to actually look at uh, products that we're that we're using, or talking to customers about what they are doing uh, versus what what we're doing, so that we could continue to learn. And I I find that really powerful and rewarding. And to shift gears just a, a little bit, like we we're talking really about creating that culture of collaboration and innovation. But at the same time, we sort of have to also eat our vegetables, right, and ensure that data and security are top of mind for employees because most of those cybersecurity attacks are coming through ransomware and phishing attempts. So with this new hybrid world, how do we make sure that we keep that in mind as well? Yeah, so when we when everybody went home, it really changed our technology. Um, I might think of it as our topography, right? It really changed instead of people working. And we've always had a lot of people that work from home. We just didn't have everybody working from home all the time. So some of the things that we've um, put in place, um, I'll just talk a little bit about that balance is uh, VDI solutions. That's a virtual desktop environment, right? So that people can uh, access the resources that are in the corporate environment more readily. And the advantage of that means that you have all the security that still sits within the corporate environment. They kind of just have a browser into that world. And so we've deployed a lot more of that to enable people to be highly effective yet have a balance um, in their in the security environment. We have also rolled out um, new solutions to moder- we're just sort of modernizing the experience that people have with the device now in their home. Uh, and I'll, I'll uh, give you an example, which is we used to expect that even if you worked remotely, you were probably coming into the office, I don't know, could be once a week, but could be every couple of weeks. And we saw most devices connect into the corporate network maybe once a month, okay? Like really high coverage rate that they would connect. Well, when people went home and we stayed at home and we stayed and stayed, we said, well, they're not coming back in. And we need to make sure that we're able to uh, keep all of those uh, all of those devices patched, make sure that they're running all the appropriate software. And so we rolled out uh, what we call Unified Workspace and Workspace One to be able to do that and create a really um, compelling experience for people to have a great user experience and also stay compliant. Because to your point, what was done out of 
uh, duress in us all going to work from home. Also, you know, when you do things really quickly, it can create opportunities for adversaries to come in. They look at like, well, where did you make some shortcuts to enable people to work from home and let's kind of go after them. Um, so, you know, we just continue to, to learn and say, okay, this is how people are working now. Let's make sure that we are protecting the company and enabling people to be effective. And luckily uh, the technology has evolved to help us do that in a really effective way. Um, but some of the other things you mentioned data Look, data is, uh, it's the lifeblood of companies, right? We make our decisions on data. And if you didn't believe that before, you thought we had, I mean, I kind of feel like you either have a physical process or you have a digital process. Manufacturing is a physical process. Most of the other jobs are digital processes. And so your ability to be effective is going to be dependent on the quality of that data. And so we have kind of a lot more insight now of um, that data-driven culture and how do you break down barriers between organizations. And, you know, we think about um, democratizing the data, make, but yet making sure that it's in the right hands so that people uh, who are authorized to have access have access uh, in the right way. And I think it's, uh, Forrester says, you know, data is a team sport. Everybody needs to... Everybody needs to work together to embrace the data and leverage it effectively because, you know, data without context is kind of just noise, right? It's just noise. You need to know, like, what is it? What does it really, what does it really mean? And so, you know, what we've seen is um, more than half the people in the survey that we were talking about said they are constrained by business silos, meaning people aren't sharing data across functions in companies. And, you know, that's something that we focus on quite a bit um, at Dell to say, you know, customers have experiences that cross our silos, right? Customers engage with a whole company, uh, whether it's marketing or uh, the products themselves, or it, it is our service organization. And so it's really important to be able to bring that data together so that you can create really great experiences for customers and really great experiences for employees, but it requires a lot of leadership. And most of us uh, have been in business for more than a, a few months, which means we all have a legacy of data that might not have been laid out the way we want it to be today. And Jen, that is also a question for you too, because um, it's just as important to make sure that when employees are onboarded or at any point in their learning experience, that they still keep security and uh, protecting data top of mind. Yeah, that's right. It, it really is. And so, you know, whether it's from, it's the entire team member or employee experience from onboarding to every year, all of our employees go through training and we remind employees why this matters. It matters for for them, for their own protection, it matters for the company. And it also matters to our customers and our brand that they really understand all these vulnerabilities and what their responsibility is um, to protect that information. So absolutely, it's it's always top of mind for us. You know, as we think about this work from anywhere generation, we touched on it briefly, there'll be new graduates and people new to the workforce and people transitioning from different um, backgrounds and previous uh, roles, maybe they're entering technology for the first time. What 
advice do you have as, you know, you think about how you're going to appeal from this work from anywhere generation for companies who, you know, maybe they are not as flexible. Maybe they are not those digital services companies. Uh, maybe there are those companies that kind of need some help as they go along their way. How are you, you know, thinking about that kind of leadership within the industry about companies who are challenged by that paradigm shift to work from anywhere? Yeah, look, I, I think it it's ultimately about culture change, not just process and infrastructure and all that, but it's it's also about culture and behavior change. And that that takes time. And I think in some ways we've been very advantaged. We've been operating in what we've called this connected workplace for over a decade, right? And so while many companies are entering this journey, the pandemic was a catalyst where they're just starting to figure out well, how do I have some people in, on a site and some people from home and some, that's something we've been doing for a decade. And so um, we've learned some lessons along the way. You know, we ha- we closely watched, were we creating any sort of have and have not situation? We've learned to make sure that engagement, you know, the perception of, of feeling really connected to the company, there was no difference whether you're coming on site or off site that the opportunity to go from an individual contributor to a leader wasn't stifled. You know, you've heard the concern of if I'm not seen, maybe I won't get ahead. We made sure that that's not the case, but that that takes thoughtful, dedicated commitment every day by our leaders and our, our processes to make sure we're creating visibility to those opportunities. We find that our leaders are just as inspiring, whether they're, uh, you know, leading people they see every day or not. But you know, these are things that we have to work at every single day and uh, you have to be cognizant of every single day. And I, I think that going forward, you know, I said it's sort of the era of the employee. And so while different companies will be, may be at different points on their journey of figuring this out, I think you have to lead with an understanding of people now want choice. They want flexibility. They want a sense of belonging and inclusion and an environment that works for all. And so I think that is, regardless of where you are in your maturity curve of understanding, you know, what it means to operate in this increasingly hybrid environment, I think you have to lead with that. Empathy, equity, opportunities for growth, regardless of where you work, focusing on work as an outcome, creating connection and community. And especially, as you said, if you're early in career, you're just onboarding to a new team, you need to... Think about how do you have everybody feel like they're they're an equal part of that team. And I think that's what companies really need to start thinking about. What are they providing and how are they providing that to create an equitable, inclusive, productive, uh, connected experience? When we think about it, um, you have to ask, why do people need to be in the room together? I mean, there's or in the same building and there's, you know, there's a certain aspect of like, we're humans and we're social and we like to know each other, like we're working on big problems. But if you answer that question and, and say, because I need to know that people are working today, then I, then you have to step back and say, there's gotta be a different way. There has to be a different way for you to understand that you trust your employees. If they know what work needs to get done, they'll get it done, measure the outcomes as Jen talked about. And I think that's probably one of the most fundamental things uh, to be able to assess that says, can you manage your workforce? Can you manage your team if you don't see them face-to-face every day? 
And that is a culture that's a leadership discipline to be organized. And let me tell you something else. That is a culture that attracts diversity. It is a culture that attracts people who say, I don't actually want to be judged on all these other things. I really want to be judged on the outcomes that I produce, a real meritocracy, which is a core part of Dell's culture code and something that we live and breathe every day. But that's actually the question for companies that are challenged to say, hey, how do I work remotely? If if your role is physical and you actually need to be on site, that's that's a different problem. If your role is not and you are doing most of your work electronically, you're, you know, having discussions, you're innovating, you got to find that balance between bringing people together for those relationships to there's such an incredible uh, collaboration that occurs when you've got that real time, but kind of back and forth. But if it's because you want to know that people are doing their jobs, I'd ask you to rethink that. I think that's key. You have to build trust. And as Jen said, it's a meritocracy. And if you if you really believe in meritocracy and you're rewarding and measuring outcomes, Jen's work style might be different than mine and that's okay. And, and it doesn't matter. Right. And, and I think Jen, you also hit on this idea of diversity. It's so powerful. And I think people make assumptions, right. That says, Oh, well, it's, it's working mothers that want to work from home. It's not true. When we look at who signs up for connected workplace there aren't differences, but in ethnic differences, there aren't male, female differences. There are individual differences. And we have to recognize that diversity means diversity of style, diversity of thought. It means ethnic and gender diversity. It means diversity in every way, shape and form. And, and it's our job to help everybody achieve their, their full potential. That's a fantastic place to end today. Jen and Jen, thank you so much for being with us on the Business Lab today. Thank you for having us. It's fun. Thanks for having us. That was Jen Felch, Chief Digital Officer and Chief Information Officer, and Jen Saavedra, Chief Human Resources Officer, both from Dell Technologies, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review, overlooking the Charles River. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Director of Insights, the custom publishing division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And you can also find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Collective Next. Thanks for listening.